Hello and welcome to the Curiosity Podcast, a show James, to good help afternoon. you thrive in your e-commerce and digital business. I'm very well, thank you, Matt. Uh, and now and your thank host, you for having me on the Matt show. No, it's great to have you here. Appreciate you taking the time to talk to us in this um, in this very odd season that we're finding ourselves in. How's it, how's it going for you? Uh, three under fives is a challenge. Three um, under fives is definitely going to be a challenge, yeah. Yeah, so the, the, the schooling is chaotic. Um, not a lot else to say about it, really. You can only imagine. And uh, you can see I've had my hair cut and the children helped me cut that with, uh, with a razor at the uh, weekend. So, um, yeah, I look a bit... I look a bit odd. I feel a bit odd, to be honest. <laughs> do you find yourself rubbing your... See, my hair is, is not... I, I do, yeah. Look, look how spiky it yeah, is. Yeah, yeah. I've been doing that all the time. No, I, I noticed, actually, when you came on, your hair had been been done. The fact you let your kids Wrong. do it is nothing okay. short of bravery, uh, let me tell you. But my yeah, hair is just, it's just a mop at the moment. It's just very long, and um, I'm just waiting for the hairdressers to open again because I'm going to look like I did in my early 20s. I used to have shoulder-length hair. Um, a very long time ago, and there was a reason I cut it. <laughs> One of my friends, I was on Skype with him, and when he came on, I, I jumped back because his hair has gone wild. Oh and wow! He's got beard, and I was like, "Oh, am I am I on the right call?" Doc Brown effect going on, you know, the Back to the Future Doc Brown. Yeah, yeah. Uh, that's great. That's great. So. Um, Let's not talk about hair. I mean, we could talk about hair for a long time, but it's probably not the best use of our time. Um, no. How did you get started in digital marketing? Let's maybe start there. Okay. Uh, so um, it's it has been a bit of a journey. Um, so I, I started, uh, well, I left school with no qualifications whatsoever um, and uh, got into close protection uh, in the army, uh, Did um, got out in April 1990. Um, and then I started working um, up the City of London um, in similar roles, uh, close protection. So I ended up in this peculiar situation. Can I it? When you said close protection, you're talking about, in my head, I'm right. thinking the bodyguard type thing. Is that right? Yeah. Yeah, that's correct. Yeah. Oh, wow. Okay. So, like senior officers, yeah. generals, uh, ambassadors, uh, secretary general of NATO, and so on and so on. Yeah, so it's me. Okay. So, yeah. Yeah, quite. It sounds exciting. It wasn't. Okay. <laughs> <laughs> Was it as dull as dishwater? Probably yes. Yeah. Yeah. Yeah, it's not that exciting. Not um, well. You don't really want something to happen if you know what I mean. Yeah, but, I do. Uh, yeah. Nothing ever did happen, so uh, nothing too exciting. Um, I mean, I think one of my friends had a bomb planted under his car at one stage, but um, never happened to me, so uh, it wasn't exciting for me. But there you go. Okay. Yeah, that's the kind of excitement I can definitely do without. That's for sure. Yeah. So I uh, I ended up at the city working for um, uh, a large corporate, um, and I found myself in this weird position where I would drop the guy at seven o'clock in the morning, and he'd say to me, "I'll see you at eleven o'clock tonight," but I couldn't actually physically go anywhere. So I thought initially I was thinking, "Wow, this is a fantastic job. I don't do anything." So I spent the first two weeks sort of wandering around London, looking at museums, and uh, soon got bored and. Um, I, I I started to think to myself, I, I'm not sure I could continue doing this job um, on, on you know, because it, it was just so boring. Um, and so... Because there was no bugs in car, it was just so boring. Well, it was even more boring than before. <laughs> <laughs> um, so anyway, I, I, I thought to myself, well, maybe this is an opportunity for maybe to um, educate myself as I left school with nothing. 
So I was looking around at the normal sort of um, degree courses and what have you, and one of my friends turned around and said, why don't you get one of those laptop things that everyone's talking about? So you have to remember this is way back. I was say this is a while ago. Get one of those laptop things. I like that. Yeah. So um, I, I bought myself a laptop, and I remember opening it on the first day thinking, oh, my God, what am I going to do with this? Um, I can't even type. Um, and that's where I, I eventually I learned to type. Started my first business, which was called the Internet Homes, the equivalent of Purple Bricks today. The only problem was it was about twenty years ahead of its time. Say, yeah, 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 yeah. So we had dial-up. The I don't know if any of you remember the images. They come online at a time, wouldn't they? Yeah, yeah, yeah. It'd take a long Probably time to do it. Boring. More boring than being a bodyguard. But uh, <laughs> it's it's kind of um, from there. I sort of. Um, I went to get a website of somebody and they said, yeah, that's a hundred thousand pounds. A hundred grand for a website. Yeah. That was standard price then. Um, and I thought to myself, you know what? I'm in the wrong, wrong job here. I'm going to become a web developer. So I spent three years, um, doing websites for people and suddenly realized that actually the price of these things has to come down. Yeah. Um, and, um, I was still doing the internet homes thing at the time. Um, and doing the marketing, I managed to get that website into the top 1,000 websites in the world, which is virtually impossible now yeah. uh, for such a small business. Um, but really quite excited about the whole prospect of being in the top 1,000 websites in the world. Um, and from there, um, I, I ended up, uh, cut a long story short, ended up working for um, luxury furniture companies along the King's Road. Uh, became a liveryman, um, a freeman of the City of London, giving talks to um, corporations up the city. Um, then I opened up uh, what's called a third-party digital agency. Um, so um, companies would go to a PR marketing agency that didn't have any PR, you know, any digital staff at that time, mm. and so they would outsource that to me. So the only problem with that for me was um, I did I, I came out of that having still no credibility uh, because of course it wasn't me that was working for SO or BP or whatever it was the actual agency themselves um, so I sold that business um, uh, about uh, about six years ago um, the guy that I was working for after twenty years suddenly said I'm going to retire. Um, and I said, okay, well, I'm going to do the digital marketing. So I put my, my, myself on a master's at MMU in digital communications. Oh, wow. And that's when it suddenly dawned on me that uh, out of a classroom of, say, 25 people in there, there was only one, pe- one or two people who, who actually knew anything at all about digital marketing. Uh, they were mainly senior marketers, PR um, marketing people who were who wanted to learn more about digital yeah so i i actually only did my first year um because i felt that it wasn't really what i signed up for i had assumed that if you're a master in something you'd know the basics as well as the strategic Mm -hmm. but in reality all you're doing is applying master's level thinking to a topic um, which in this case just happens to be digital communications. Yeah. So um, I was kind of feeling a little bit left, let, let down fair, by that. I've seen this a lot um, over the years where people who, who will try and teach something, who come in to teach something, 
They actually yeah. have zero experience in the real world in the topic in which they're teaching, which I've, I've always found quite extraordinary. Yeah, it happens a lot with um, lecturing, for example. Um, as you know, I'm a, a mentor now, and there are quite senior lecturers who actually come to me um, for training because it's everything I do is practical. It's it's um, actual hands-on, mm. which that's really what differentiates me between a lot of senior marketers. Um, what you have to think is when I was you know, dropping that guy off at 7 o'clock in the morning and picking him up at 11 o'clock at night, I had a big chunk of time where I could sit down, um, I could read all the books, whereas a lot of digital marketers do not have that time. Sure. So what's happened is you 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 found yourself you know it was only what five six years ago you could do any uh, you could do like a degree or something in digital communications and so you had to learn it yourself. So what I've actually learned from that exercise was there's three groups of people in digital marketing. There's people who want to learn and train or retrain uh, school beavers etc. Then you've got this middle bracket of people who are self-taught. Um, and quite often can't even give you a simple optimization lesson. Um, and that have you believe it's some dark, spooky art that nobody else can help them with. That um, happens a lot. Uh, You're right. It does happen. It yeah. happens a lot. Not just. I mean, it's just a digital thing, isn't it? Let's use language that people don't know, and we'll keep them. We'll keep them trapped. Yeah. yeah. I mean, there's a there's a saying, isn't there? In most industries, uh, if you you only have to know five percent more than anyone else in the room to be an expert. Uh, <laughs> yeah. It's so true of some yeah. of the businesses that I go into. Um, the last group of people are these people that I found on my masters, um, who generally speaking have no practical experience, mm, sure and so is. they spend a lot of time in meetings. Mm. And again, that's where the mentoring um, and why I, I ended up by default becoming a mentor was because I had a lot of senior people who were asking me, is my, you know, are my uh, team doing this right? Mm. And so that's when I started to come up with my own methodology, et cetera. Yeah, no, it's fascinating. And a very similar story in some respects. I mean, I wasn't a bodyguard, um, but uh, I do find it fascinating. Some of the crossover, like, um, uh, with e-commerce, for example, one of the things I've noticed with agencies, a lot of people who do agencies or who will say that they're an e-commerce agency and offer the website, always amaze me how many of them don't actually own their own e-commerce website or run their own e-commerce because they've got the technology right at their fingertips, right? And so if yeah. e-commerce is as good as they say it is and they're trying to get me to buy their system, they would be using it. And I always struggled with the fact that they they weren't doing it. And I, and the advice that they would give you or talk to you about was all head knowledge. Um, it wasn't. It wasn't like they'd been in the trenches um, to the point where I started using this phrase called experience-based design. In other words, it was I need somebody out there who's got experience in all of this that can help us, rather than someone that's just telling me from head knowledge or a book. I can read the book. I, yeah. I need to know how it works here and here and now. And, yeah. Uh, so I get that. I totally get that. It always amazes me. Um, the amount of people that are teaching stuff that on 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 the agency front that's quite an interesting point because what you usually find with agencies is the agency is usually good at one specific channel mm. um, so it's usually the owner of the business who is maybe good at adwords started their own adword business yeah. and then somebody said to him oh do you do seo and he's gone oh yeah of course we do yeah let's throw uh, that in 
How odd can it be? And before you know it, um, but of course that person doesn't actually know the person that he's employing actually knows what they're doing. And so um, it's a bit hit and miss. Um, and I've seen and firsthand a lot of horror stories, um, which, um, yeah, have, have been uh, uh, quite scary for me. Things like, you know, um, uh, um, a global uh, retailer, um, not mentioning any names on that one. Um, <laughs> you know, it's hundred hundred uh, hundred thousand pounds a year for optimization. And when I got in there, the first thing I did was I looked at the search console to find that they didn't even have the sitemaps. Sitemaps hadn't been updated for four years, um, which is you know it's it's very very basic stuff. Um, so so in a hundred grand a year on this thing, and they yeah, not even got the two basics, years. Two years that was, mm. um, hundred thousand pounds a year. I couldn't believe it, and to find that the sitemaps were out of date and they had products up on there um, that they don't even sell anymore. Um, they discontinued a lot of the, uh, the the products that were actually listed in the sitemap. So, you know, it's just an example where, you know, it it comes down to education, and again, that's that's why. I think the mentoring and more senior people, you know, they've, they've got no one to ask the questions. Yeah. They've got no one to, they can't really go to their digital marketing manager, for example, and ask them because they don't want to lose face that they don't know it. Uh, they can't talk to their fellow directors. So who do they talk to? They have to talk to somebody who's at the similar level of experience mm. um, who can say, you know, this is how it is. Um, and I'm generally speaking that person because I'm at the coalface doing it. Yeah. So I've got my own affiliate e-commerce website um, that I do all my testing on, for example. Um, so, yeah, at the coalface, that's where it's at. And that's actually one of the reasons we, we sort of, uh, I thought, well, let's do some stuff with you. Because I, for me, I always work with people that are, that are on the front line in the coalface. Because, yeah. you know, I, 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 I don't want to work with people where it's all theory-based. I I want to hear the stories. I want to know how when I'm in the trenches, you've been there or you're with me. Do you know what I mean? It's that kind of. So who are your, um, who you're talking about your mentoring type thing. Who are your customers? Who do you, who do you generally work with? Well, over the last sort of three years, um, I've trained about sort of two or 300 businesses on a face to face in the Buckinghamshire area. Um, and uh, previous to that, I was doing up the city of London uh, corporations, that type of thing. Mm. So I've worked in a very um, broad number of sectors. So I've worked for one-man band accountancy businesses through to HP, Microsoft, Platinum Partners like OCSL, through to global retailers um, in pretty much every industry. Um, there isn't really an industry out there that I haven't really been involved in at some stage. Mm. Um, and, you know, the, what, what this all comes down to ultimately is having a strategy, which a lot of people say they've got a strategy and they don't. Um, and that strategy comes down to um, data. Um, and the data in this case for everything you do online relies on your keyword research you get the keyword research wrong, you're screwed right from the start. Um, it's very, very difficult to 
um, to come back from guessing something. So, for example, one of the ways I won one of my contracts was they gave me 15 minutes to sit in front of the board and tell them exactly what I was going to do for them. I was there an hour and a half. And at the end of it, I said, has anyone got any questions? Um, And um, whoever it was, one of the directors there turned around and said, well, the thing is, we can't argue with the data. When can you start? And, And that's ultimately what it's about. You know, the data in this case is the keywords and phrases that people are actually typing into the search. And then you base everything online around that. So it's all about opportunities. So we're not just doing um, keyword research through our keyword planner, but we're also doing that throughout uh, what's called the predictive search terms. Mm. So now more and more people are starting to ask questions. Uh, so we have these Alexa things in the house that people are talking to. So you know, how do you do this? What is this? Um, we're all looking as marketers to try and get this position zero. So if you type in something like, how do I fix a washer on a tap? It's usually in a square box uh, quite near the top, and that's considered position zero. Mm. Um, and it's quite difficult to get there, and it's quite difficult to replace somebody who is actually there if I, if I come back to your original point, you talked about um, yeah. people say they have a strategy, but not everyone does. And your strategy needs to be based on data. And the data is what people are typing, the, the, the keywords and the questions that people are typing into Google. Absolutely. Um, ha, is this, I mean, we've, we've put the title of your methodology on the, on, the, on, the, on the board, on the board, you know, on the, on the Facebook Live, and it will go out on the data, you know, the, yeah. Um, the logic digital marketing methodology is yeah. is this what is is this theory or that no it's not a theory is this 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 revelation this understanding that strategy has to be based on data real hardcore data is that what your methodology is based on well first of all if you consider that um i've been doing digital marketing training um, for a number of years, um, but probably last year, about 20% of my business is actually training digital marketing and agency staff. Um, and when I asked them, you know, what is the strategy? Everyone said, oh, you know, laughed a little bit and said, yeah, of course we've got a strategy. But what I found is each department actually, yes, each department has a strategy, but they don't have an integrated strategy. So quite often there's massive holes in the strategy in the first place. Um, so what do you and, mean when you say that they've not got an integrated strategy? What does that mean? Well, so for example, the e-com team will be working alone. The AdWord team will be doing keyword research and doing the AdWords alone. The SEO team will be working alone and they'll be doing their own keyword research. Mm. What I've tried to do is I've tried to give structure to that where Everything is to do, uh, the logic methodology is about the structure of getting the site correct in the first place. So the, it covers three main points, which is optimization, mm-hmm. paid advertising, and then your ongoing content strategy. Once you've actually got the so founder... Just clarify, optimization, yeah. your... Part of, part of SEO. Say that again, sorry. Is, uh, optimization is part, partly SEO. Yeah. It's um, it includes other things. So uh, Google looks at over 200 different touch points. We need to make sure that our trust points and that's part of the optimization process. Okay. And what you find is a lot of 
the larger businesses fail to actually do the very basic stuff and they throw a lot of money at the wall you know at the well at the wall as well but you know if you've got if you've got a pile of mud and throw some at the wall then some of it's going to stick yeah yeah and and so that's the methodology that a lot of them have have throw enough money at it some of it works so so the first point was optimize which was around um uh, around seo these 200 touch points that google's talk about what was the second point of your uh, the second one um, is the paid advertising. Okay. So I think in a lot of cases, people over, um, over-complicated, uh, over-complicate the ads. Mm-hmm. And now you're starting to see people trying to automate, um, which I can't quite get my head around, uh, the paid advertising. Because, okay. I, again, it's all, it all comes down to the research. Um, you can't automate the research. Well, well, not really. Um, I mean, it, it takes an element of, um, it's a bit like, you use a phrase like cloud, it's a bit like the problem with, with Google. So the search engine results page at the top, if you put in cloud, is that a cloud in the sky or is that cloud computing? Yeah. And so you've got this sort of um, disconnect, if you like. So, so you really need a human to look at it to actually look at what the keywords and phrases are and think about their business and how that would fit in with their business and whether that's a positive word or a negative word. So positive is what we want to keep, obviously, and use. A negative keyword is something we don't want to keep. Um, It has nothing to do with our business, but we've got to keep all the data. Really, really important. Yeah. Yeah. Okay. So we've got optimize. We've got paid media. What was the third thing you mentioned the third one is the content strategy so content strategy yeah internal and external content strategy so once you you mean by internal external sorry to keep asking questions i just want to make sure everyone really understands what's going on because this is where it gets fascinating for me so what do you mean by internal and external strategy okay so you have to have an internal linking strategy so if you're talking about thinking about optimization the seven points of optimization that i personally look at so first of all, I look at the URL. Mm-hmm. So it comes in a permalink and a slug. Mm-hmm. Second thing is the title on the page yep. also comes in an um, in a um, an SEO uh, title, which is shown in the tab at the top. Mm-hmm. So 65 to 70 characters in length. Then you've got content on the page. So this is the actual text you see. Yep. So I aim on a primary page. So a primary page is anything comes off a main menu. I aim for at least 300 words to 500. Then a meta description, 150 to 160 characters. Then meta keywords. So I usually put four to six. So there's a bit of controversy amongst all this stuff here. And sure. one of them, there's going to be a few people say, oh, but Google doesn't look at that. You know, ultimately. Well, they don't look at keywords, do they? But do they? Well, well, the thing is, they account for something like 70% of the traffic. What you're doing is that you're, you're probably eliminating yourself automatically from the other 30% who could potentially still be using it. Sure. So, um, again... 20 seconds it takes you to put those keywords in, you just yeah. might as well do it. Yeah. So a lot of people will say, I don't bother with it. Yeah. In my view, if you're using a content management system, there's a space for it. Mm-hmm. Fill every space. So one of the spaces that's really, really important that people really just get completely wrong is the meta description, 150 to 160 characters, and that shows up in the snippet. 
So a snippet shows up in the search engine results page. And so it's really, really important that we fill that out. And what we're trying to do... Okay, so just, so just to clarify, this is um, the snippet which shows up on the search engine results page. So if I go to Google and type in flamethrower, yeah. um, there's, and they bring up the results, I see the title. Um, yeah. And then underneath that, I see usually like two or three line description. That's what you're talking about there? That's the yeah. snippet. That's so you're talking about the slug. Yeah. And you're talking about the title, you can see, and then you can see the meta description. Yeah. And they are ultimately, they are your adverts of the world. Mm-hmm. And a lot of people don't even consider them. Yeah. So um, not only know, is Google looking at them, but your potential customers are looking at those three things. And so you yeah. have to make sure that it works yeah. for both Google and your customer. And it's yeah, those three absolutely. things specifically you see. So the slug or the URL, the web address, um, yeah. you see the title, which is the, basically that's the link text, isn't it? It's normally blue and underlined. Yeah. Um, that's your title. And that's the first thing that people see, I think. I think for me, when I look down the Google rankings, of uh, the Google search results, the first thing I see is the title. Yeah. And there's a lot of people make mistakes around the titles even. So yeah, no, we did a mistake. Uh, I mean, I'm, I'm going to be, you know, one of the things that we talked to you about and you pulled us up on here um, was actually across most of the websites that we had for our company. And I, I now understand why it was like this because the, the SEO um, uh, plugin for our system defaults to putting your company name first in the title. So it would say, for example, Jersey Beauty Company, Jersey Beauty Company slash Dermalogica Skin Smoothing Cream or whatever it was. And you're like, why would you do that? Why would yeah. you put your company name in the the most important text first, why, why would you do that? And so that's one of the big things that's changed for us, isn't it? Yeah. So when I went to see uh, the marketing director at Johnson and Johnson, I said to them, you know, you know, what's the strategy at the time? And they said, Oh, we're doing a brand strategy. I said, that's fine. But in this space, you've only got 65 to 70 characters. Mm -hmm. So if I was, for example, looking for baby lotion, if I wanted a Johnson Johnson product, I'd go to the Johnson Johnson website and type in baby lotion. Mm-hmm. I could go to Google or search engine, type in Johnson Johnson baby lotion. Yeah. But 99% of the population are just going to type in baby lotion. Yeah. So by using Johnson Johnson in that 65 to 70 characters, you've lost half the half the text. Yeah. Yeah. You're selling the baby lotion, or you're answering a question, or um, you know people are looking for. You know, a service, a product, or to answer the question, basically. And so that's what you need to give them. So if you can give them exact match searches in your titles, it's more likely people are going to click on the uh, the result in the snippet. Yeah, totally. No, I know that's one of the big changes that we made. So, okay, so there was, you said there were seven things that you looked at. You mentioned yeah. the URL slash slug. Uh, yeah. Number two was the title, if I've taken yeah. my notes correctly here, James. Number yeah. three was the content. Um, yeah. Number four right. was the meta description. Number yeah. five was meta keywords. What's yeah. six and seven? Six is um, images. So every page on your website should have an image, and yeah. you need to use what's called the alternative text, the alt text. Yeah. And that will then, uh, the search engines cannot actually see an image. So you need to tell it what that is a picture of, if that makes sense. You need to use the and alt so, text don't you, to describe yeah. the image. So for those who are visually impaired, and they have, yeah. you know, page readers, it actually makes sense to them. Yeah. And the other the other uh, benefit for you is, obviously, it will come up in an image search from the search engine results page as well. Yeah. Um, the last thing is an internal linking strategy. So 
you were asking me what are the what is an internal and external strategy. Yeah. So the internal linking strategy, what you actually want is a crawler, a robot. So the search engines have small programs called crawlers robots. It's their job to basically uh, go into your website, collect the information, send it back to the search engine. Um, they're going to apply this mathematical code, this algorithm um, that um, is an unknown, uh, and they change it slightly all the time. Um, and then they're going to apply that that um, that method, uh, the uh, algorithm to the content they found through your website, which will give you a listing in the search engine results page in the form of a snippet. And so what we need to do is we need an internal strategy for the uh, robot. So the robot or the crawler is going to come into your site. What you want to do is try and keep it on your site as long as possible. So therefore, you need some anchor text, and it needs to be the correct anchor text. Yeah, so we don't want to see anything like read more or click here because it doesn't mean anything. So if you're, if you're going to talk about cat food, Ideally, that's the anchor text, and you send it to a page within your site about cat food. Okay, so both um, this is this is good stuff. Yeah, yeah. Okay, so both the link that you use on the page, the link text, yeah, um, that link needs to describe where it's going to ideally, going to ideally, and the page that it goes to needs to match that link, and both of those need to be optimized based on the data what people are putting in. And so yeah. you're talking about these robots and these spiders. They come to your website. They're going to hit this internal link. They're going to see cat food. They're going to go yeah. to a page that's optimized for cat food. And the search yeah. engine is going to go, awesome. So then they're going yeah. to index that page for cat food. It's all about relevancy. And so what's going to happen is the crawler is going to hit the anchor text, mm-hmm. go on to the next page, start reading it, find more um, anchor text, and then link in. So that's mm-hmm. part of your internal linking strategy. Okay. And so, do you have it so that, um, let's say I've got a page talking about, um, we'll stick with our example. So I've got a page talking about pet food, right? Organic pet food. Let's be niche. Organic pet food that comes in biodegradable packaging. Um, you know, make it as niche as we like. And so I'm talking on that page and I talk about our organic um, vegan cat food. And then that links to a page about my organic vegan cat food. But on the primary page, the, the one that's talking about pet food, do I just link to the cat food one or can I link to, say, the dog food one as well? Can I have quite a lot of different internal links or does that screw it up? As long as you've got some form of internal linking strategy, mm-hmm. um, but of course, the first thing you do before probably you even do a website is um, the structure of the website needs to be correct. So you go, you go, you do keyword research. Um, but what I was trying to get out there was there's three there's three bits of um, of, of content strategy, if you see what I mean. So you've sure. got the internal linking strategy, mm-hmm. yeah, and then, which is generally speaking, you could refer to them as secondary pages, like blog posts and that type yeah, of yeah. thing. And then you've got the uh, external strategy. So all this depends on your domain authority, or what I call your influence score. So how much trust do you have? And how many people are competing with you against you for a particular word or phrase? And so that is the only thing that's going to determine um, exactly what key phrase you're going to go for and whether it's an internal or external. So you, you end up with doing SEO level one. 
then you do SEO level two, but you've got to leave it to settle. Mm-hmm. So you leave all your stuff about 10 to 12 weeks for it to settle. Yeah, then you do optimization level two, where you're trying to match um, whoever's at the top. Yeah. Um, in between, what you don't want to do is just sit there and do nothing. That's where the AdWords strategy comes in. And then once you've got to that point, the only thing that is going to make one link, if you like, one uh, slug, uh, sorry, what am I talking about, a snippet, go above another snippet for a certain keyword is your ongoing content strategy. Okay. And that's why the methodology is based around optimization, the paid advertising, the content strategy. Once you've sorted that out, that's when you can start looking at things like your email marketing for your open rates. So you know what the phrases are people are actually typing in and what they might open open the email if you've got the right title in it. Sure. Uh, so that, that that type of thing is is where where I'm coming from. And then obviously you bring in your social media. If you've done the keyword research correctly, then again, um, you're going to find you, that, that you know the exact phrases. And yeah. so that's what's important. Okay. So I think I've got it. Um, I'm getting there in my head anyway, at least at least with the whole thing. So, um, so we're going to optimize the site. Whilst that's settling over a period of 12 weeks, we're going to do the paid media. Um, yeah. And then we're going to come back after about 12 weeks and we're going to start to think about, you know, the second level, what you call the second level of search engine optimization. So we want to see yeah. what the results are from what we did first and then see, make a decision from that point on. Have I got that right? Yeah. So, so what will happen is, for example, you might find a certain keyword comes into the search at, say, position 100. Um, and then the next thing you'll know, it will disappear for two weeks. Mm-hmm. And then it will come back at 65. And then it might go to 60, uh, 61. And then it will disappear for another two weeks. Mm. So what a lot of digital marketers tend to do is they start panicking because it's disappeared. They're thinking, oh, my God, I must have done it wrong. They start changing again. And so it's this ever-turning circle. Instead of just leaving it, believing in what yeah. you've you've initially done yeah they're changing it too quickly and okay. the search engines are then you they're don't not, know they're not sure which way's up are they yeah so yeah. you're you so you would you would do the optimization you would leave it for 12 months and see 12, see 12 weeks, yeah oh, sorry 12 months 12 weeks um and see where the dust settles after about 12 weeks and then you can start to make some decisions about what you need to change and develop yeah put the keyword or phrase into the search um, whoever's come at the top clearly has the algorithm right because they're at the top. And then what we can do is right-click, view the source code, and see how many times they've got an image or how many times have they got um, the keyword or phrase in their content or their text or the title or wherever it is. Sure. And so what we're trying to do is match them because they've clearly got it right. Yeah. There was something, there's, there's a reason why they're number one. So Yeah, absolutely. You become almost like... Um, a detective, don't you? Sort of, you 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 start to learn to look at these things and go, why are you number one? Why are you there? Or why are you number two? Why are you number three? And you, and you start to work it backwards with what you know. Oh, okay, you've got this, 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 and this. Um, for for me, that is exactly it. And uh, it's it's for me. This is a, just a massive game of chess. Mm. So, you know, somebody's at the top of the search. Why are they at the top? Why am I not at the top? Um, how am I going to get? How am I going to get there? And yeah. so, there's no point in. Um, 
you know, you need that strategy. You need to understand what's going on um, and make small adjustments and leave them long enough that they're actually going to take shape, if, sure. if that makes sense. No, totally, totally makes sense. Yeah. Um, so you, there's a couple of phrases you've mentioned a lot. Let's pick up on some of yeah. those things. One is this word research, right? Yeah. Um, and I think just to tie this in a little bit with e-commerce, one of the things that I've found over the years is if I have an e-commerce website and I I'll pick up my phone because it's the nearest thing to me. So I've, I've, I've got a website selling phones, right? Yeah. And I just put that on as a normal product on the website. Um, and that's, that's a product page It's a typical e-commerce product page. But one of the things that I've noticed is you get better search engine results. If I've got that, picture of a phone but i've also got a bit of content on that page about the phone like how to use it throw a video on there that's maybe optimized a little bit for youtube and it and that page links through to say three or four articles on my blog about you know how to choose the best mobile phone cover how to choose the best mobile phone insurance is that is that a can i just say everything you've said there is basically everything that i look at in those seven points of optimization so your link building, you've got an internal strategy. Yeah, you've you've actually added an image. Yeah, you've named the image. Um, you've got the meta description in place. Mm-hmm. Um, you've chosen the correct title. Um, first line of the first paragraph in the content, you've got the keyword or phrase in there. Um, you've got the keyword or phrase in the URL. You know, what you're actually doing is focusing the page around one keyword or phrase mm-hmm. so a lot of people think that you can optimize for multiple so initially what you need to do is optimize for one keyword only but then what you do is when you do the keyword research you um you have what are called clusters mm-hmm. and a cluster is an excel spreadsheet that refers to um a certain keyword so for example hoodie um you might have hoodie female for example or hoodie male yeah yeah um, and so everything in that cluster, so you'd end up with like maybe red dress, green dress, orange dress. If you're talking about the green dress, you know all the associated keywords are in there. And you can actually use those phrases in the content on your optimized page. Yeah. So you have 300 to 500 words on a primary page or on a product page, you can actually start to use these phrases. Mm-hmm. And that's where you're going to get multiple listings. Um, and so I always recommend initially optimize for one keyword for one URL. Okay. Uh, that's a top tip. Uh, one key phrase for one, uh, one keyword research, uh, optimize yeah. for one keyword for one URL. Yeah. Um, but this idea of, um, and this is something that I think, you know, when you're, I talk about this all the time with people wanting to set up an e-commerce business. It's not just about going and buying a product and putting some brief description on your website about it. It's the internal linking then that goes onto that product page to optimize well for it so that people find you using your, your SEO. Um, and so linking products to blog posts or these, what you called secondary pages, didn't it? So a blog post, a yeah. classic example. Yes. One way of having good internal um, linking. Yeah. I, I mean, um, one of the ways, if you look at primary pages, for example, you look at a site like John Lewis, whoever, a lot of the e-commerce websites now have these mega menus. Mm-hmm. And what they're actually doing is, one, they're making those product pages now or category pages, if you like, depending on how you've got your website set up, uh, they are now become primary pages. 
And so Google will prioritize them as being primary pages. Mm -hmm. And so that's where these mega menus come in. And obviously, you, the customer will be able to find uh, the product faster. Yeah. So, and that's why you see so many e-commerce websites now with those mega menus. Um, and, well, on and, desktops, they don't work on mobile. It's a, well, yeah. yeah, it's a real fascinating conundrum. Spent hours yeah. talking about this yesterday. Um, yeah. So that all makes sense to me. So this keyword research, how would I, how would I go about doing it? What's, if, let's say I, I go, well, this, is, this is great, James. I've partially got an idea of what you're talking about, but how do I, where do I even start? Where, where do I even go to? Okay, so um, there's a couple of ways to do it. So most people, most digital agencies will actually do it through Keyword Planner. Uh, which is a part of the AdWords system. Personally speaking, I found I didn't get the results I wanted from, from that um, because I want more the predictive search terms. So on a daily basis, you've got 15% of new keywords and phrases being entered every day into the search. Mm. And so I want to know what they are, yeah. especially now if we're talking about uh, – uh, COVID-19 coronavirus and just did a bit of research That's there. Cool. You, you shared this now before we came on air. So yeah. this seems like a good place to, to talk about, um, to talk about that. So let's, let's bring that out. What, what did you mean when you said that, uh, when you, when you came uh, up with the research, this is just a great example of what you're talking about. Yeah. So the first thing we, we, we would do, um, when we're setting up a website, um, we need to make sure that we're obviously optimizing for the correct keywords and phrases. So what we're going to do is, number one, keyword research, absolutely crucial to your business. So there's a couple of tools that I use. One of them is um, a, a Chrome extension called Keyword Everywhere, which is a fantastic extension for doing things, uh, keyword research on the fly. Okay. Uh, really, it's really helpful. Keyword everywhere, and it's a it's Chrome extension. Yeah, it was free up until about three months ago, but even now it's only like twenty dollars. Uh, I mean, it's it's lasted me about five or six months already. Um, so it's it's not expensive. Mm. Um, so that's an easy tool to use. Um, what I found was when I was working for the global retailers, um, we were dealing with hundreds of thousands of keywords and products. So what I ended up doing was trying to design and build my own keyword research tool. So along with the logic methodology, I've actually got a keyword strategy tool, which I call keyword strategy tool. Um, and what this does is it will actually look at and take all the data from uh, the paid advertising, so the keyword planner, but it will also do all the predictive terms. And what we can do is actually update the API so we get the very latest information. So if, for example, somebody yesterday typed in a new phrase, then we could find out what that phrase is. So on every keyword or phrase, we need to know what the, what the associated data is. So the first one is, well, there's three of them. The first one is the search volume. How many people are searching per month? The second thing is, how much is it going to cost me per click if I did paid advertising. And the third one is the competition level. So how many people are competing with me against that particular phrase? So to give you the example, um, I, I did a little bit of research on COVID-19 and coronavirus. So uh, COVID-19, 
uh, has 9,200 searches a month. Uh, the cost per click is zero because there's nobody bidding against it, which is a lot of people would think that was an opportunity. Um, I was say, and, no one's bidding against it that bit. That... Nobody's bidding against it. Um, and the competition level is zero. So therefore, it's going to be a really cheap cost per click. So if you were doing something to do with COVID-19, maybe uh, business recovery, um, how do you get out of it and all that type of thing, it might be a good idea to start bidding on that and making sure your advert is is good. Um, On coronavirus, there was 2.1 million searches. So compare that with COVID-19. COVID-19 had 9,000, did you say? 1,200. And this one's yeah. got 2.4 million. This one's 2.1 million. 2.1 yeah. million. Jeez. Yeah. That's a big difference. Yeah. The cost per click is one pence. Um, so even though uh, coronavirus, there are people bidding on it, it's still very, very, very low. Mm. So again, opportunity um, for um, somebody if they're doing a paid advertising campaign. And then we have the competition level for that is – um 0.03 which is basically three percent so, so yeah, that's very, quite low yeah very very low so you should be able to optimize for that quite quite quickly um if you go to google and start to type in um coronavirus or covid19 and you've actually got for example, the uh, the Chrome extension I was talking about, keyword everywhere, it will actually put the values next to it. And these values are what we decide we're going to optimize a particular page for. So this keyword strategy tool that I've come up with, um, we're, it's unique in, in a lot of ways. So it's not done by a developer. It was meant as a tool for me. Um, to use. So 10,000 keywords, for example, was taking me five days, 14 hours a day to sort through. And it's a difficult cost for businesses to justify. So what I did was I thought, right, I'll build my own tool. um, And I managed to get that down to sort of three days at the time, which I thought was really quite good. Um, And I entered it into the B2B marketing show at the Excel last year. And we won best marketing management tool to my surprise. Well, congratulations. Um, yeah, thank you. Um, so, yeah, that was a bit of a shocker. Um, but I suddenly realized that actually we're onto something here because with the keyword strategy tool, we actually provide you with a strategy. So, so there isn't anything out there that does that. So is this uh, why you won that award? I was going to say because there's a lot of SEO yeah. software, pieces of software out there, hundreds of the flipping things. Um, yeah. So what – what was it about the one that you had? What did, what have you done, which has made it unique, I suppose? Okay, so the first thing is you get a strategy with it. Mm. So I actually, when you subscribe or whatever to the tool, then ultimately you get invited onto a, a session where I actually show you how to use the tool and what the strategy is. And I record it and I send it to everyone. So they've all got a copy of it. And at that stage, they some of the, some people say, "Okay, I get it. I do it myself." Some people say, "Oh, can you help me with it?" And that's where I get a lot of my work. But the tool itself is unique in the fact that a lot of agencies will actually throw data away that they don't think they need. And what we do is 
we have a list of positive and negative keywords. Um, and what we can do is we can filter out the keywords we don't want. So if you're an accountant and you're in Newcastle, one in Milton Keynes, one in, say, Bournemouth, the initial keyword list is going to be exactly the same. Mm. What makes your business different is the keywords that you don't want. So therefore, we then have a negative list. So if you were an accountant in Milton Keynes, the negative keywords would be Newcastle and Bournemouth because you don't operate in those areas. Sure. But instead of throwing them away, we keep them. And so what you can do is you can export the positive list and the negative list. You can also filter through questions. So you can use the where, when, why, what, how for your Q&A. So what are people asking about your products and services? So once you've actually downloaded that, you can actually then put the data, the positive data you want to keep into a um, search, which will then deliver all the data back to you over the last 12 months. So this allows you to see month-on-month search volumes, competition, and obviously the pay-per-click, obviously the keyword. So from there, that gives you the data sheet that you can then apply the methodology. So in order to get all that data, it's not – well, I'll put it this way. It would take you weeks to put all that data together, whereas this tool does that in seconds for you. Um, so you can now do that keyword research of five days, 14 hours. We've now got it down to two hours for the same amount of work. Wow. And is that why you won? Is that what do you think gave you the award? Well, at the time, I only had three days. Um, I've since managed to get it from three days down to two hours. Wow. So for the same amount of work. So yeah. that's, that's massive. Um, you know, and um, it will give you every possible keyword. And, wow. and so that's, that's the beauty of it. Um, and like I say, you shift it from once you've got that data sheet, that's where you can choose because what you're doing is you're clustering all the data. So you remember back to the red dress, green dress. Yeah. So by having these clusters, if you're talking about a certain topic or a product or a service, or you may be looking for a question that somebody's asking about a certain product, then you're going to find it in one of these clusters. Mm-hmm. And next to it, you'll see all the relevant data. And so from that, you can also start to see opportunities. So how many people are competing against this keyword? Mm-hmm. How many searches? But then how much competition is there? How many people are bidding against you on the paid advertising? So you could actually say, I only want to bid on, say, under 30 pence, or you could say, I only want to bid on things under one pence. Mm. So therefore, the marketing budget is really low. So when you go to the second phase of the uh, strategy, you do your paid advertising. What we're doing is we did the keyword research. We know the exact phrase matches. We also did the negative list. So by offsetting the positive against the negative, the conversion rates are higher quicker. And that's the exciting things. So this is, um, just to clarify. um, Sorry, I get excited when I talk about it. Yeah, no, 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 that's fine. And you talk about a lot, which is great. And and having been on some of the calls, I just just remember the questions that were going through my head at the time. Yeah. So um, you're taking the same keyword data which you're using for the whole, what you call the optimize, which was part one of your methodology. Um, Yeah. And in that research, you are going to find exact 
keywords and phrases that people are typing into. I'm just going to say Google for now. Yeah. So people are going to Google and they're typing in keywords and phrases. The research brings out those keywords and phrases, which you can optimize for. Yeah. But whilst you're waiting the 12 weeks to see the impact of that optimization, you're yeah. going to go over to Google AdWords and you're going to run keyword campaigns or you're going to run Google ad campaigns, shall I say? Yeah, Google ads. And yeah. one of the ads that you're going to run is around that exact phrase that people are typing into Google, right? And yeah. what you can do um, with Google AdWords is you can say to Google AdWords, I, this has to be an exact match. In other words, if someone types in half this question, I don't want you to show my ad. I just want you to show this ad for yeah. an exact match. Right. Yeah. So you have an exact a phrase yeah. or a broad match. So generally speaking, when you put it in automatically, it will put it to a broad match, which means you spend more money. Yeah. By doing it can match you to anything. Phrase. So going back to your original thing, if you yeah. with cloud, for example, it could match you for cloud computing. It could match you for clouds yeah. in the sky. Yeah. Whereas actually, you want to if you use exact matches, you know you're only going to show up on that exact phrase. Um, yeah. And you know that's a good phrase because you've done the research, you've seen the volume, and you've seen the opportunities around it. Yes. So everything is in that data sheet. And it's also in the data sheet when it comes to the content strategy mm -hmm. because you've now identified all the questions people are asking. So back to that hoodies, uh, one of the silly questions that, I hope that, that we came up with was how do I keep the inside of my hoodie fluffy? It's a stupid question. If people are typing it in, so if you can imagine, we do a blog post on that, mm -hmm. yeah, and we do our internal linking strategy to uh, our hoodie page, um, and then what we'll do is um, we go, and, and again, with content people, they make a big mistake, generally speaking, they just put it live and that's it. You've got to use your search console. So you go to Google Search Console and use the inspector. Any content on your page, make sure you use the Google Console Inspector. Just put in the URL. What you're actually doing is asking the crawler to actually come back and read that content. Mm -hmm. Otherwise, it could sit there for six months and you think it's been read and it's not. It's not yeah. even being listed. So, okay, so oh again, let me just, let me yeah. just clarify. Um, yeah. So we've done phase one, optimize. We've done phase two, which is the uh, paid... Google AdWords, and we've got the Google AdWords not on a broad match, but an exact match. And we've used yep. both our positive and negative data to really yep. hone that in. So we're only paying for the ads that we know are going to work, and our conversion rates are higher, and our cost per click is a lot lower to make our yes. AdWords campaigns much more effective. Yeah. So on that, um, I did a um, one of our best campaigns, six empty apartments in Germany, mm. ran it for 11 days. I don't usually recommend a global campaign. In this case, um, uh, it was such a unique product. I did do it for that. We had 12 clicks, 34 pence, five of the six apartments had gone. Total cost of the campaign was four pounds and seven pence. And that's because we know the exact phrases. Yeah. We know we've kept all of our negative data. We live in a data-driven world. All these people who are throwing data away you know you've got to use it in the right way so that's part of the methodology so yeah so sorry that's, to, a, that's a great example of of optimizing well and it costing very little money then to get the results yeah and then the third thing you said was going back to the third part of the methodology which is then your content uh, you would then use the the research from the keywords 
yeah. to create your secondary paste, so um, blog posts and things like that. And you use the example of, you know, I've got a website which sells hoodies. The research yeah. shows one of the questions that people are asking is what keeps a hoodie fluffy on the inside? So you yeah. could create a page around that, an internal yeah. link, which would help you with your SEO, right? Yeah. So that's, and the, the, that, that's the three things. And the fourth thing that you talked about, which is not necessarily a, a part of your methodology, but one of the things that's worth clarifying here yeah. is once you have made any changes to your website um, around this concept, around this idea, you need to go to the Google Search Console and tell Google that you have made those changes yeah. And don't just assume that Google is going to pick up on the fact that you've made changes. Yeah. So the majority of websites I come across when I'm analyzing them, um, I notice a lot of them are like the sitemaps are six months out of date. Mm. So if you can imagine, if you've got an event, say, let's say the, I don't know, the first of, uh, where are we? First of June, for example. So we put an article up there, but we don't submit it. Mm. It could be after that date that google actually finds it what you want to do is maximize it so i did a live exercise uh, on linkedin um where i optimized for a keyword that didn't have any competition or anything um but people were typing it in through the predictive search and so i showed that you can actually put a put a page up and get it listed on google within 15 minutes oh, wow. The test is actually on my LinkedIn profile wow. uh, back in October, early October, about seventh or the ninth, something like that. Mm. But you can imagine that if you get, how do I keep the inside of my hoodie? Um, if you can imagine that, if somebody's typed that into a search engine, yeah, say Google again, um, and it comes up in the title, it's an exact match search. So therefore, it's more likely that person's going to click on that link. Yeah. And that's why you do the keyword research um, and um, why it works so well. And why you spend the time in the keyword research. Yeah. And so well, there's, a, there's a lot of other things, but, but generally speaking, I always get asked the same question, does it work? I've tried on about sort of 40, 50 websites. Um, I started working for a company who didn't want the mentoring. They actually wanted me to do the work. And so I um, had a look at all their stats. Uh, from their analytics. So in November 2019, the organic traffic was 49%. In January, the organic traffic was 75%. Wow. In November 2019, his traffic was at 42% paid advertising. And I got that down to 13%. Wow. And so the saving in cost was 580 pounds saving a month mm. so everything that he paid me he actually got back within three months and now he's he's obviously in profit yeah that's fascinating fascinating james listen um i am aware of time uh and i'm aware of uh you know the, the fact that uh We've gone through a lot there, a lot of information. I really appreciate you taking yeah. the time to to share that with us. Um, and like so said, much more to say. <laughs> yeah, we could, just, we could just talk about it all day. Um, but it's it, I find that I just find the whole thing fascinating. And actually, SEO optimization, paid media, um, good content marketing strategies are still the, the 
you know, some of the key backbones, aren't they? Even for e-commerce business, for any kind of business, you know, if you've got a website, if you're doing something online, getting your head around this is critical, but it's not complicated. It, it's a few hours of learning. And what yeah. we found really actually really helpful, what the, the guys at the office found really helpful was the fact that you have, you've, you've got on the phone, you've answered their questions and, you know, you have done this mentoring thing with them for a few hours, which is great. So our experience here is actually, this is, you know, this is very straightforward to get your head around. And when you don't know the answer, just ask James and he seems to know the answer. How do, um, how do people reach you? How do people get hold of you if they want to connect with you? Um, well, I've got a LinkedIn page, obviously, um, James Pibus. Um, it's a bit of an unusual surname, so there can't be many of us out there. Yeah. <laughs> um, so E-Y-B-U-S, right? E-Y-B-U-S, yeah. Okay. And um, I've also got a website, digitalmarketingmentoring.co.uk. And the other site I've got is emarketing-strategy.co.uk. And so just any of those websites, digital, what was it? Digitalmarketingmentoring.co.uk. Yeah. Um, and they can just reach you through those sites or just head on over to LinkedIn and search um, James Pibus uh, and you'll, you'll find him probably with a little bit more hair in his photo than he's got now. Hopefully. <laughs> Before the kid's got the razor and shaved it all off. Um, yeah. Listen, James, uh, thank you so yeah. much for your time. It's been great having you on. Thanks for sharing the wisdom uh, with us. Really, really appreciate you being with us. Thank you very, very much. Thank you for the invite. Appreciate it. No problem. Thanks. So thanks again to James for being a guest on the show. I hope you got a lot out of it. He's um, a really interesting guy, isn't he? And his, his, his methodology is, is actually, I think it's quite straightforward and simple and easy to get your head around, but it's remarkably effective. So do spend a bit of time thinking that through and what that means for you and your business. You can, of course, head on over to the website when this podcast is launched at mattedmondson.com and grab yourself the show notes. We do put the show notes on there where we'll also link to James. There you go, I'll put the website on the screen, just because we can with modern technology. Uh, just make sure you head on over there, grab the show notes. If you're listening to this on the podcast version, you're in the car, just go on to mattedmondson.com, just click the blog link, and then you will see the posts on there. Just search out for James, and we will link to him, and we'll put the show notes on there where you can understand uh, his methodology and how it works. His keyword tool is actually a very simple tool to use. We have used it a lot. So um, do connect with James and, uh, and ask him to show you how that works. And I'm sure he will be more than happy to do that. James is very kindly giving you guys an offer as well. So if you're listening to the show or you're watching it um, and you would like to get in touch with James, um, he will uh, give you a trial on the mentoring services that he does. Normally it's £195 a month for six months, which is well, it's negligible amounts of money to learn this type of thing, let me tell you. Um, but he's offered that at £95 a month for six months. I'm just reading that to make sure I've got it. Um, and he will do some training with you and some webinars. And even if you don't want to use his tool, you've just got a few questions, James will be more than happy to help you. It's just who he is. He's, he's a kind guy that will just chat with you uh, all day long about this type of stuff. Um, he gets a real kick out of it. So do connect with him. And like I say, my thanks again to James for being on the show. So let me uh, just give you a little bit of uh, housekeeping at the end. Of course, make sure you subscribe to the podcast, wherever you get your podcast from, iTunes, Stitcher. Well, we're all over the place. No problem. You just go on to wherever you get them from and subscribe to the Curiosity Podcast uh, just to make sure you get these things automatically downloaded because there's always some good stuff coming. We've got some amazing guests coming up. 
We've got some great guys just all lined up. So you're not going to want to miss any of it. We're going to be talking about email marketing. We're going to be talking about consumer generated content. We are picking the brains of the experts. So make sure you subscribe. And of course, if you don't know already, we broadcast live on Facebook um, at the time we record this interview. So uh, we've been streaming this whole thing on Facebook live and folks have been uh, Sam wrote a comment. Hey, Sam, how are you doing? It's great to see you. Um, so if you are on Facebook Live and you, or if you're on Facebook, you don't have to be on Facebook Live. Uh, but if you're on Facebook, make sure you come over to uh, our web, uh, our Facebook page, Matt Edmondson, CO, Matt Edmondson Co. Uh, come on over to that page or just follow the link from mattedmondson.com. Either way. Uh, and sign up to the notification. So when we go live, you will get a notification and you can come and watch these podcasts as they're being recorded. And even ask your questions there and then to our wonderful guests. Uh, and we do the Q&A after the podcast recording has ended. But you can come along and have a little bit of fun with that if you would like. I hope that all makes sense. I'm sure it does. So thanks for watching. Thanks for listening. Thanks for being part of the community and part of the uh, e-commerce tribe. It's great to bring this content to you. Really enjoyed today's show. Once again, thanks to Jane. Thanks, everybody. We will see you next time. God bless and stay safe. Thank you for listening to the Curiosity Podcast. You can subscribe or you can also join us on Facebook Live. See you next time.